0: welcome 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 back it's been a while um yeah it's been a couple of months actually it's now january 5th um it's a bit of a weird one as well it's like thursday afternoon late afternoon and um yeah i don't normally record at this time but it's been tricky finding time to be honest with you it's been quite a busy time december was very very tricky a lot of december was taken up with various different things a bit all over the place and just didn't get around to um getting anything recorded um and then uh, and we went on holiday went on holiday for 10 days over christmas and so it was like working 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 and then i was kind of off and then away and uh yeah so just hadn't got a chance to, to kind of record and I, I was going to do something last Sunday and, uh, and just been busy and been trying to finish this album with a friend, you know, well a few friends are on the album, it's a great little collection of people um, but uh, it's Ben Walker's album Raving, Raving Conspiracy um, which is just, we've just finished it yesterday so I think we have, We it needs mastering but the we've mixed it now so um, yeah, so that's kind of taken up quite a lot of time, and, and yeah, just had ten. I was away for ten days, and, I, and had ten days completely off music and nothing, no music at all. I didn't listen to a single bit of music. And <clears throat> I've been doing quite a lot of recording before going uh, before going away as well, and I had a lot of stuff sent to me, and I just didn't. Um, it was great. I Didn't listen to anything. When I got home, I listened to it, and uh, it was quite illuminating quite interesting when you've had good rested ears um so yeah it's been yeah it's been like a very full on uh, time i hope you i hope you had a nice christmas anybody listening and um a good new year to you all all the best etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, i don't want to be too kind of um period specific with these podcasts because it all ends up getting a bit sort of historically weird um like talking too much about covid and things like that you know which is uh kind of something we we don't think about much in the uk anymore so it seems to be um it seems to have kind of gone away which is a good thing and things sort of go back to normal gigging wise and touring and all that kind of stuff so um but yeah so today was like i just um i've been wanting to record something for a bit but um not record anything specific really it was more of a kind of review of what's gone on last year some interesting things at the end of the year to talk about and um some kind of interesting things have gone on with the projectors involved in and being a you know, it seems to be being a bit of a weird thing at the moment being a session musician being a being a being a being a sort of musician in in projects It definitely felt um involved in a, in a, in a, in a project've i been involved in recently <clears throat> been felt very much like um been treated a bit like a uh, like a bit taken for granted actually a bit a bit um uh, treated like a sort of uh, second class citizen you know and it's interesting in those situations how one has to um, how one has to kind of judge judge the situation so that You know, one you can do the best job you can, um, but also by associating yourself with something which maybe um, isn't quite where it should be as 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 what I would call a you know professional operation uh you you do yourself um you do yourself a disservice you do yourself damage with a reputation i think and it's you got to be very careful in this game it's such a fragile business you know, the music kind of business the, the the you know being a kind of you know if you're in a band and you're doing a band thing and you're trying to get a deal and you're you're doing the band thing and and that's kind of the be all and end all for you it's that's a different thing than what i'm talking about here you know cuz that's um the goals and aims of that situation are, are, are very different. But when you're just like a sort of professional player... I mean, I was, li- I was listening to um, this Steve Lukather interview. Um, I'm going to buy his book. It's supposed to be really funny, and, and and but he's a phenomenal musician and he's played with some amazing musicians that I really admire and and on a lot of albums and a lot of music that I think is kind of historically very very important, you know he's playing i mean he's playing thousands and thousands of albums, but playing some of the greatest albums ever recorded you know um particularly in sort of western culture and uh and he, and he's a phenomenal musician you know um and even listening to him talking about the kind of business and about what it takes you know to kind of get on his business. It's a tightrope walk, you know. You've got to be really careful. You've got to, you know, make sure you behave in a certain way and uh, treat people in a certain way. But then also, you know, when you feel you're being treated in a certain way, you've got to find uh, a way to navigate that so that, you know, ultimately the outcome is um, not a detriment to you. Because that can be the problem here, you know, if we end up in a situation where, you know, you're being treated badly for whatever reason by in a certain situation, um, the last thing that you want is to be losing out in that situation, and for the people that are treating you badly to be, you know, essentially um, able to kind of carry on and operate as they were, you know, because... If they're carrying and operating as, as they were, and behaving in the way they did, they're going to do it to somebody else, you know. And um, and sometimes the cynic in me, I'm afraid, things actually people, do, you know, they don't really people don't really care. Actually, why you know people just don't really care f- at all. So why do you get so, you know, worked up about things? But it, it's about you know we all have our own standards and moral compass. You know, it's about kind of um, what we accept as a. Um, there's a certain way to behave and be and um, yeah it's complicated in the world of music at the moment on lots of different levels so you know I if anybody's kind of young and out there and trying to make their way and trying to find their way and understand their way uh, I do feel for you because it um, you know it can be confusing um, I do believe still in the um, the absolute truth of of being um, the best player you can be, and that's you know that always presents itself uh, with with true integrity and honesty. You know because of because of the nature of what that is, you know being the best player that you can be. Uh, and, and and having honest conversations about yourself about when you're in the right situation and when maybe when you're not in the right situation. <clears throat> and certainly when you're younger, when certainly when I was younger I was saying yes to lots of things that maybe I shouldn't have been saying yes to. But it was a it was an eager to play, eager to get experience thing and and that's you know, it's, when you're young it's hard to to kind of bypass those sort of opportunities. But there does come a time and I've talked about this before, so I'm I i do not want to go over um repeating myself which i often do um yeah there's a kind of there's a point where you go yeah that's sort that's the sort of gig that i don't do that's the sort of thing that i'm not involved in that's not my music these, these people are better for this music you know and um and having good drumming buddies you know, having having drummers that you know and you respect, and that you're friends with, and, and 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 have you know, and have different things to offer than you. This is where this can be a really great thing, because because you can wholeheartedly offer offer their services to someone that offers you a gig that maybe you feel is like, no, it's not it's not my kind of thing. I I do that a lot now. There's there's a number of drummers that I recommend. Uh, over quite a wide age group as well now, because um, I've been lucky enough to teach some extremely good people in the last 15 or so years. And some of those people, um, you know, I recommend, uh, well, lots of them I recommend for all sorts of different kind of work. So there, there's the answer to the question there. You know, I don't recommend some of them for certain types of gigs, and I recommend the other ones for certain types of gigs or certain sorts of teaching gigs or whatever, or whatever, you know. Um, a very very large proportion of them I'd write them a reference you know what I mean so that, that says a lot about that situation um, and um, and a lot of the, the kind of people that I taught and, and who I know kind of better and know quite well they, they, they all know their strengths and they all know the sort the right kind of gig that they're um, involved in you know so so it's kind of you know you, 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 so there's all that kind of thing going on which is which is tricky. I mean, you've got to work that out for yourself. But on the, on the flip side of it, the people that you're working for, um, I'm never I'm never sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for. I'm always kind of like there's always some weird story, um, you know. there's people behave very strange. I have to say. Um, and uh, I've been involved in a project recently and, and, and it's kind of interesting dynamic um, there's sort of different factions of people within this um, situation um, and not to go into any specific details about it, people that know me well who, anybody that listens to this and knows me well will probably know what I'm talking about but I'm not going to go into any more specific de- situation uh, about this situation but but the there's kind of Different core groups of people, and it's interesting how um, how we have to as as kind of players, player players, real players. um, You walk into a situation. You know this situation for me is a situation I can walk in. It's a style thing. I've got to be able to read. There's a, there's a few things going on in this situation that, uh, that require me to be a professional musician, you know, a pro musician. I've got to kind of step up in a certain way and play to a certain standard. And uh, because there's a there's there's a paying audience, okay, and there's also you know there's a crew of people there's a, there's a stack of music there's a whatever going on and i'm involved i'm involved in a in a in a in a in, a, in a, a rhythm section thing that's involved in this project that's all of the same caliber of people all really good people that are all players you know and you really you really have to kind of uh, come to the table on um at some points and uh, i'm trying to be very diplomatic here i'm trying to I'm trying to say what i'm trying to say without um you've got to put your e you've got to you've got to kind of put your ego at the door and 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 sort of realize and say is this a job of work that i'm happy to do for this amount of remuneration that means that i can keep my mouth shut you know um And that's a question you have to ask yourself. Every time you go into a situation where you're working for whoever and you're working for the dollar, as they say, um, you've got to say to yourself, um, how do I expect to be treated? And how, you know, uh, what am I getting paid in order to to be treated in this way? You know, Um, if you do a gig for free and somebody treats you badly, that's not a great vibe is it at all the bottom line that's a very simple thing but we can fall into these trap musicians of thinking because we get paid to do something that we can be treated badly and that's not right and that's not fair so some people but i know i do know some people who will they will put a price on how they will go into a situation and they will uh take it for what it is in that situation because of what they're getting paid you know so they I mean I know I've talked to session musicians that have been on tour for long long periods of time and and have gone through um they may be on tour for 3 years and go through three tour managers with the same artist but the stories I mean, I wish some of these people would write you know would write memoirs or write. It I mean, it'd be fascinating for anybody in any industry to read about these stories, about the dynamic of, of, um, of working with a very you know a very high-profile artist touring with a band and going through one or two or three different tour managers during a sort of two or three- year period and the dynamic and the changing dynamic amongst the band because of that one change within the hierarchy for instance you know you know you might have a situation where you're working for an artist and you've got a great tour manager or you've got a quite a benign tour manager you know but you've got someone that's not that's not kind of running things um mm. with some sort of narcissistic agenda you know they're just running things in order to make things you know run smoothly for the artists you know and then you get tour managers that have this kind of they have a view that uh there's a hierarchy within the music i mean in the sorry in the in the band playing the music so you've got like if you've got an artist and you've got session musicians working with that artist if you know musicians that work with uh, well-known artists, they'll all tell you very different stories about how that artist relates to the musicians that they play with. You know, um, I I know a, a very good friend of mine who worked with extremely well-known uh, artist, and um, and my kind of my knowledge um of that artist because of my friend is is very positive you know because of the way in which um this artist was with the musicians there was there was a kind of um there was a sort of respect there which was you know I mean it's like the old story somebody told me years ago that you know the the Mark King level 42 um fantastic musician um he loved Alan Holdsworth, you know, and that was why Alan Holdsworth ended up in Level Forty Two because Mark King wanted him in his band. You know, he, he was like his hero. You know, but that—that—that's that, a story I was told by um, from a pretty good source. You know, um, but it's just interesting because when I was growing up, you know, Level Forty Two were a big deal because they were sort of a, a, a quite a big band when I was in my teens, and they were it's a very muso band. Phil Gould, brilliant, brilliant drummer, my favourite drummer in that group uh gary husband's great but i, I feel gould for me was always more interesting um I, I preferred gary husband uh with holdsworth actually playing the actually playing with holdsworth and uh and gary's a f- fantastic piano player as well a great musician but um you know it's uh it's kind of interesting those different dynamics um but you could look at this, you know. You could be a punter looking at the stage, the level forty-two with Alan Halls of in the band, and and you know, I've no idea who he was, you know, um, the greatest guitarist ever to ever to live. Uh, sadly, he's no longer with us. But you know, he was absolutely phenomenal musician and and writer and artist and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So anyway, going off on a, a tangent here a little bit, but just it's been very very it's been a very weird time with that project because uh, there was a real distinct uh lack of um I would say respect going on within that situation there was a, there was a weird um we were treated weirdly uh um treated like second class citizens really and treated like um, I mean the thing about the thing about music, and this is what I've... I i do not know if other people have had this experience, but I'm kind of starting to feel this a little bit in the UK, and I'm hoping that it's not the same in countries, other countries like America and Japan and places. But in the UK, I'm really beginning to feel like people don't value... Um, the, the contribution of of the individual musician into music as much as maybe I, when I fifteen twenty years ago when I was younger, I used to feel like there's a bit more respect, you know, because it's like that thing of. Um, I always have this kind of inner argument with myself with a neighbour of mine who moaned about me, you know, moaned about my drums. She's an old lady that lives a few doors down. Um, and you know one f- a few years ago one summer I, I pissed her off i was practicing something and uh, she was pissed off and she came and moaned she came into into our garden and came all the way up here anyone anyone knows where my drum the shed is it, it's a kind of you know she made an effort to come here and tell me how much she disliked what i was doing you know and uh, she lives a few doors down from me uh, we've got a great neighbour who's a lot who's quite a lot older and she's she's really into music and the other neighbours on the other side are fine, and lots of other neighbours are fine. But she, you know, she she made a real effort to come and tell me that specifically that the drums, you know, she really didn't like the drums. And yet they listen to music, you know, and they listen to rock and roll music and pop music. And it's like, well, you know, if you want to listen to that music, if you want that music to be good, then uh, you know, quite a lot of that music still has real people involved in recording it. Uh, maybe drums in some pop music. Maybe there is no drums. It's all it's just all samples, or it's all whatever programmed. But you know, uh, the, we've been through the eighties, and we've come out the other side of that. And and you know, and uh, when I was getting into in the late eighties, early nineties, when I was kind of eighteen, you know, kind of trying to get into the world of playing music live, I never thought I'd play in the studio ever, because I thought it was doomed because of what the eight because of what happened in the 80s but actually that never came to be because songwriters and producers and artists they, they want the real feel thing they want the real sound nothing can replicate that no logic drummer fancy pants this that and the other it don't, it don't exist you know so um so yeah i have this i always have this internal argument you know uh with the imaginary person moaning about the drums and saying, Lo, well, you know, well, do you listen to music? Yes, I do. yes, I do listen to music. Well then, you know, cough. Because what I'm practising is making the music that you listen to sound as good as it can be. You know, that's what we do. This is what we do you know we don't just you don't just get good at something by just being good at something you know it takes time and effort and whatever it's like you know crafting the, the I always like that that the, the idea of crafting something you know you sculpt you sculpt something from an idea you know and um, but anyway i've really felt uh in the last few years and especially recently a real a real lack of respect for that you know for that thing of being a player and being somebody that can uh really play and can step up and make music sound good and so on this project we this is like a weird little story for you which kind of sums it sums it all up for me you know um I, after one of the gigs we did, we went to this horrific um, kind of, it was, it was a kind of after show party that was part of the ticket and it was ghastly, you know, I mean, truly horrific. Uh, And we were only there for like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And I went with uh, my good friend, Mr. Um, Ollie Collins, bass player, fantastic bass player, me and him, and one of the uh, singers, we were with um, one of the singers, I think we were, yeah, anyway, we were just stood, I mean, it was horrific. I mean, it was, oh, good God, you can imagine the scene. So we kind of walked into this thing and, and we were, it was like, we were at the periphery, you know. Um, and it was kind of at the end because we we'd sort of packed down and it was ages after the gig you know the gig had finished at like half 10 and we packed down and got everything whatever and all well. and we 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 were, we felt obliged to make a um, to make an appearance um and anyway this lady started talking to us and she was really pissed and she dropped like a whole fucking um, p- pardon me she dropped a whole bloody um a cup of coffee on the floor in front of us. We went all over our clothes, you know, all three of us. Just didn't and never didn't even apologise. Just um, and this wasn't a young person, by the way. This was this was someone, you know, who in who in in sort of I don't know. I would have expected in a, uh, in a normal day would have been horrified to behave that way. But anyway, we had this bizarre conversation because she obviously recognised the singer, and then she was like saying what do you two do, you know, really drunk, kind of like? And uh, and I just said, well, have a guess, you know. Having just watched this entire hour and a half show that we were playing on, um, have a guess. And it's just interesting that you didn't have a clue who we were and what we did, you know. But that's the thing, you know, you have to kind of go, well, actually, you know, I'm here, my, my job is... My job in that gig is to be there to, to play the grooves of that music to the best of my ability and make the, make the music sound as good as possible. And I always have a joke with people, you know, or heard and not seen. And it literally is, it feels like that uh, at the moment on certain projects. It's like literally, you know, nobody has a clue who you are and what you do, but they've just listened to you for an hour and a half. And I'm and just kind of mystified as to what they're really looking at. You know, I'm kind of interested whether on in certain music whether because it, because the music is not original music; it's music that's, um, you know, it's cover music, music that's um, that's been played. You know, it's, we're covering songs. It's a show that's a certain style of music. I'm desperately trying not to give away what the project is um but yeah it's like because we're playing music that people have listened to on record i wonder whether they just don't acknowledge that people actually played on those records people sang on the records obviously they sang you know the singers the singers are well known on all those records are all famous singers from that era big names you know um but the musicians behind it but yet, what are they dancing to you know what are you dancing because a lot of, there was a lot of dancing you know it's a, it was it's a show with a lot of just, the, the audience I mean two of the three venues were, were dance floor venues you know so people are dancing to this music full on and it's a relentless it's an hour and a half with no gap it's just bang 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 straight through you know um, about 30 about 30 songs in the show I think altogether. I can't remember quite remember a bit more than that maybe 32 but it's full on and it's um, yeah, and people are dancing to this music, and 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 the thing that they're, I mean, I was just it was just hilarious that me and Ollie were stood together because Ollie's a bass player, and it's just like what are you what are you dancing to? You know, you're dancing to the bass and the drums essentially, and then the rhythm guitar. The rhythm guitar is so important. Great rhythm guitarist on this project as well. Great well, great guitarist, two great guitarists on this project, but. Um, and then the you know and the percussion and just like the just the the rhythm section but it's like you know the bass and the drums and the guitar it's like so it's just so weird it's so strange how um you know because i play a lot of jazz music as a lot of you know all all four of you listen and um and you know, you get you get noticed in jazz music for for other reasons, um, and not always great reasons, really. Because you know, people kind of watch because you know, jazz is seen as a kind of technical music. It's seen as a kind of cerebral, an intellectual music, a music of a music of the mind and spirit, you know, or whatever. Um, and uh, for me, it's just all the music of the spirit. It's not music of the mind at all in any way, um, and. And it's weird that because lots of people come and watch jazz musicians because of the athleticism of the instrument, you know, this kind of the amazingness of Brian Blade, you know, or whatever. It's so that people people get into you, um, or listen to you or watch you, you know, for other reasons than the than the groove and the time of the playing, you know. And yet, when you're in a situation like that, where you're playing music which is all groove and all whatever, you're totally anonymous. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. So it's been a weird time. It's been a weird, reflective kind of time this sort of Christmas. So it was kind of, yeah. Um, just thinking about, you know, the expectations of the year ahead. And... Um, and yeah, maybe just thinking about how, because uh, we were treated quite badly as well. We were treated um, really um, very, very weird situation with the kind of um, the way the production, the way the production company worked and stuff, and you know, there's a real feeling of separation because it was kind of it's a weird thing. There's a, there's a crew of people that do all the production work. And then there's the, mu- the musical part is split into four. Well, no, sorry, th- it's actually split into three because one element of it is very close to us. Um, the other two elements are not close to us at all, you know. But yet we're seen, weirdly, as um, close to one of the elements, which is we're really not close to at all. Because these kind of professionals come in to each show that are different and, and, and it's... Um, we have to rehearse every time we run the show because it's new people playing in um in part of the show you know so the rhythm section's done all we've done all the gigs for years but the the, the people that are playing uh the extra musicians are, are always um done for a contractor you know um and so it's like so so there's no kind of real connection there occasionally there's, I mean, one of the shows is somebody that I'd known from a long time ago, and it was great to see her, I hadn't seen her for a long time, but it was I mean, generally just people that you, you get to know a few of them, say hello and stuff but um, it's generally people you don't know, and then there's like, and there's the front, there's the front the front people, the vocal people, which are completely treated totally different um, which is interesting, and uh, yeah so, weird just weird stuff so that was the end of last year a lot was quite a few of those gigs going on and yeah i did quite a lot of did a lot of work on that as well um but on the personal side of things doing a lot of work on those tunes and practicing those tunes in a certain way it was really interesting to have felt like i'd made a real step on in certain aspects of my playing you know Um, So I was really kind of pleased about that because at the end of the day, you know, I just have to go back to remind myself of the purpose of what we do. The purpose of what we do is to just be in this process and to be constantly striving to improve, you know. And, you, and you, you, you know, you're striving to improve ultimately so that every situation that you walk into can be the best version of yourself um that um you know that you're able to present because you're on your a-game all the time and i'm not using that phrase by the way uh living my best life i hate ah, it just does my head in that phrase you're all the time on social media living my best life it's like what does that even mean you know it's just such a flippant load of absolute nonsense that people keep saying all the time it's one of these TikTok generation phrases it feels, it's like, it's so kind of disconnected from, from the reality of actually, you know, working at anything and being in something for the long haul, you know, because it always feels to me like that phrase is like, this is it, this is it, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously anybody listening to this as a musician we all know it ain't it (laughs) it's never it it's it's moving on you know every every day every day striving to you know to get better and to be better and to be more efficient and to be more relaxed and to play more fluidly and to sound better and you know all those things all things that whatever you aspire to do but um it's never it's never it you know um constant reevaluation. you know so um but so being yeah being being on your a-game and trying to be the best version of yourself to represent yourself in the best way is so important and uh, and so that's why a lot of us we don't moan and we don't complain and we don't upset the apple cart you know but in this situation, there was a, a few dynamics that went on between a couple of us. I was involved in a, in a little bit, and um, so was somebody else. And, and some things were were addressed, which was good, you know, because we were being taken for granted, you know. We have being taken for granted with our time. Um, there was a situation near the beginning of this latest run of the project where we were asked to do something. For certain individuals that had not got their stuff together and were nowhere near even prepared, they were still uh, not even they were they were not even learning. They were be they were they were pre-learning their stuff, and then we were expected to do it for nothing, you know, um, which was absolutely disgraceful, you know. Um, luckily that got resolved and we didn't do it for nothing in the end um, um, but be, you know I, the one thing i'd say is always try and be clear from the outset if you have any doubts even if you're involved in a situation where there's a number of you involved and you feel uh like you have an allegiance to other people which i, I always do I, I always go for team i'm always kind of i'm not on the on the individual side, it's, it's, I'm always erring air, on the side of of, um, of the team being right. You know, the team being looked after, the team being on the same page, because then the team operates. You know, together. You're not going to have anybody who's an individual, whatever. And um, anyway, it resulted in the end. Anyway, we got all these things. We'll be, we're supposed to do the gig but got cancelled, which is a shame. Um, so this year, 2023, well, this year's hopefully a year, um, my aim this year to make a sort of commitment right at the beginning of this year, been thinking about it a lot, thinking about it a lot when I was away and uh, thinking about it, uh, earlier on today as well, just trying to plan in my own mind. But this year is a, a year when I'm going to make an album, an acoustic jazz album of my own. Um, and it might this year might be the year of the trio because there's a couple of other trios that I'm involved in which I think are going to do some stuff this year. Uh, I've got a gig tonight with one of them, and there's another trio which we've already made an album, and, and I'm hoping that trio is going to is going to kind of do its thing. But I have a kind of I have a I have an ambition to make an album. Um, with a specific uh, trio with a couple of people that I really want to make an album with and uh, and I, I, the kind of location as well is is um, is I think' I'm, I'm decided in my mind where I want to do this thing as well so' I'm, I'm quite hoping that's going to happen this year um but it's also a year in the house of diy and and money being spent so these things are always tricky because one I, I obviously I have a hobby. I have a hobby with motorsport, which I've not done much of for for quite a few months for a number of reasons. And uh, motorsport is expensive. It's not a cheap hobby. Um, so, but I don't spend huge amounts of money on it anyway. So, um, but I'm just you know thinking ahead of this year of the DIY nightmares which are going to occur. At home, um, which is good, you know. Which is because lots of things we need to do the house, which we want to do, which would be great. And then um, so we've got that, and then there's this kind of album idea, wanting to record an album, and then do some, try and do some gigs. That's another side to the equation, which is an expense, Um, because at the end of the day, when you make an album, if I make an album, I expect to pay for it. And pay whoever help is helping me with the album, you know um, it's a lot of it's just time as well, just having the time to do everything that one needs to do, you know, just finished this project with um with ben and uh, that's going to be it's a great project. I'm really proud of that um because I've been involved in i started, you know I started these singing lessons six months ago and I did a lot of work on that album which was outside of the drums, it was a lot of production, a lot of vocal work, a lot of string arranging, um synth kind of synth programming and stuff and and um engineering as well on the logic and mi- and kind of mixing. Um and it's get I i's just something I don't really know what I'm doing, to be honest with you. I'm pff, flailing around in the dark in the way, but you know, you work if you're working with somebody and they like the sound of what you're doing, then you just you've gotta go along with it, you know. Um I'm definitely gonna spend some more time um you know, trying to get a bit more kind of mixing and studio knowledge. And invest a bit more time in that. But this year everything's really about recording. And um and also just setting little goals as well. So that's the other thing, um setting little goals on the drums, trying to um I was trying this idea of of doing learning something new every week. And um so a couple of days ago I was practicing along some Brazilian stuff and I was doing this little exercise where um doing like the kind of samba bass drum thing. Um and then with the right hand having that having that offbeat accent, so playing quavers, well it's in the Brazilian thing, it's semi quavers, but I think about it as quavers, on the second one of the bar, on E and a 2 E and a 3 E and a it's a 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and that's how I think of it but they think of it as 1 E and a 2 E and a 1 E and a so I'd set this kind of goal of trying to um do that and play partido in the left hand um three on three off partido and try to play it quickly so it's just been just to start it a couple of days ago just it's like coming to the drum spending 10 minutes or the pad So trying to get those accents in with the right hand to keep the accents consistent and then playing the that bit that so play the three the three on three off thing so that was a kind of goal um, and the idea is to try and get it to this um t- t- trying to get it up to that speed which is kind of that sort of um, get get that kind of samba it's one of that kind of my favorite tempos that kind of one two 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 one two three four one two three four we're trying to play the right hand as as a bounce thing not literally playing all those four strokes and that tempo it's a little bit slow And the and the, and the nightmare, of course, as you probably all gathering, is that that accent is constantly pulling me towards it being the downbeat, and it's the second uh, quaver or semi-quaver of the bar, you know. So, and then being able to do that, and then be able to play the partyo in the left hand at that speed, because um, listening to this track, um, this um, Nando Loria track, uh, and the speed of it um it was so um it's so beautiful the speed of it because it's kind of at that kind of tempo and um it was just being able to you know play like a normal like samba thing but then go into that kind of offbeat hiat thing because in the in the drum part whoever was playing the drums and it sounded like they were doing that yeah, i thought it might have been a separate it might be a separate instrument like a shaker or something i couldn't quite work it out it's because it's so the, the the percussion and everything the drums are all so um kind of connected together i'm just trying to find this track now i i would normally superimpose these things into the podcast but I'm not going to do that because um, it must be too complicated. I'm not sure what the volume is going to be like on this music. Uh, it was kind of later on on this thing. Where was it? Yeah. Here you go. So that's email. Very loud. Sorry. So it's been able to being able to play at that kind of speed. Can you hear that? That kind of thing, that kind of feel. So um, little goals, you know. Set yourself little goals. That's what I recommend that's not too difficult a goal but it's just that thing of it's, another, it's a slight thing that I was when I was playing along to the track I wanted to go into that thing and I didn't quite have it coordinationally together it was like oh, I can't quite play you know uh, it's like years ago when I was doing this <clears throat> I was playing this swing thing and I was getting um, getting the triplets and the left hand together hear really that on the pad well basically it's like playing ting 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 taki 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 ta 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 So, and then you do the last triple of which is also tricky sometimes, it's weird. Sometimes it's really hard to play. Sometimes I find it really easy to play. Um, But he was trying to get that at a certain volume, sorry, a certain tempo and at a certain volume, and then going into the fours thing. You know, going into playing the forward left hand. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And that was something like I'd forgotten about. I started doing those little things a couple of years ago, little tasks, like setting myself these little tasks just to get them together. It's not the same as, uh, it doesn't feel the same to me as like, oh, I'm going to do the left foot clave thing or the 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 paradiddle the minim paradiddle thing between the right foot and the left hand or left hand with the, with the left foot in between and all those those kind of exercises they're they're just ongoing things within the same theme you know these things feel like do just like little miniatures you know it's like oh yeah just to get those triplets going because you know because I can play the triplets with one hand you know that's fine. But it's not. That's kind of meaningless. Not being able to, in, in, to integrate it in with other things. You know, always for, always remember to, you know, if you learn something new t- technically or whatever, then it's about kind of making sure that it's you know you can write it into your script. You know, because otherwise it's just it's going to sit on the shelf. I mean, some things do sit on the shelf. It's like writing. You know, you're writing music. Some things you you start writing something, and it's like oh yeah yeah i don't know what to do with that yet so you just leave it and then eventually at some point when things develop and things change and you you know you know you 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 know you improve in other areas and what have you you come back to writing and then it's like oh that thing oh that will work great in this you know now i think we get that with playing sometimes as well but i think often um I mean, I spent years never really trying to integrate any of the kind of molar stuff that I learned. I just could play it all individually, but I couldn't do anything with it on the instrument whilst doing anything else, you know. So it was all these techniques that were, or technical, sorry, not techniques, all these things I could play with this technical approach, which were completely pointless because they had no purpose. They had no place in my playing. So I'd be like playing and they just wouldn't exist, you know apart from doing them like with one hand or something. Um which is, you know, pointless. Um people kind of find it kind of interesting or whatever, a fan- bit fancy pants or what have you. But really it's just crap. So yeah, so this year that's kind of that's what this year's kind of about, really. You know, last year, twenty twenty two felt like it was a year of um getting things kind of back on track, you know, things, things had returned to normal and, and, and just kind of getting back to sort of gigging and doing things normally in inverted commas and, and like, oh yeah, this is what we do now. This is what we've always done. And, and it really has kind of started to, to felt, to feel like that, you know, um, this last year. So the natural progression now is like, while it's striking, while the iron is whatever is to, is to get some more recording done you know it's um, it's my 52nd year now 52 and um, this is my 40th anniversary year of playing the drums I started when I was 12 um, the real I'd say now is the real time when I would say I really started to play the drums I. You know, in in, in in 82, I kind of went to this drum club and I've told the story about all that stuff. And uh, the, the, at Christmas, my parents bought me a snare drum and cymbal, you know. So that was the beginning of actually playing the drum, singular. Um, and then in March, 83... Um, which is going to be March this year. My dad bought me a drum kit off uh, a guy I was in brass band with who um, was, was upgrading, and he sold me this Heyman kit. A lovely kit, actually. Um, it would be worth a fortune now, actually. Actually, I don't know what it would be, because it, it never had the, the bottom rims and bottom heads on either of the toms. They'd been lost. So it was single-skinned even though it had lug boxes it didn't have the rims and and everything so and that and that kit i sold on along with a carlton kit when i bought my um when i bought my premier royale my mum and dad bought me a premier royale kit um in 84 um i had that kit for a long time i had that kit until 89 actually so i bought my dw kit and when i moved away from london i sold that kit to a to a piano player called George Miriani, a very very good jazz piano player um who still lives in London um and he yeah, he bought that kit off me when I um when I bought my DW kit in 1991 it was 91 yeah it was 91 um that was the that was the first proper drum kit i really owned really i mean the the, the premier roll was a proper kit but it was never the right kit big bass 22 Twelve, thirteen, sixteen toms. You know, um, I used to play that that kit. Uh, you know, I used to play it. Just used to get on with it. It's funny, isn't it Because you know, now I wouldn't touch that kit with a barge pole. But when I was that and I was younger, I just you know that was that was the kit I had. I played it. I just got on with it and played it. You know, um, weird sizes, too deep, very high drums, big drums um the hayman kit was a nicer kit you know uh, but that was the first kit i bought and it was march 83 so in march 2023 it'll be my 40th anniversary of of having a drum kit um so it's all kind of yeah it's quite a significant year uh, so i've got to kind of find a way to celebrate this 40 years uh somehow not quite sure not worry really one for dates but if you just feel uh, this 40 year thing i don't know if for some reason feels kind of Kind of interesting, um, yeah. Because it's like the you know the 50th anniversary. I'm going to be in my 60s, which is scary. Uh, and I don't know whether I'm going to be quite as on it as I am now. You know, so uh, it's like striking again while the iron is still alive, as they say. while well, the iron still has a pulse in it. So, um, so that's kind of this year, and yeah, the podcast. Well, it's going to stay monthly. Um, it's just going to be flailing about, to be honest with you. There's some interviews I still want to do. There's a couple of interviews which I was scheduled to do and they couldn't. We couldn't do them in the end. And one of them I'm going to do. I've definitely dis- discussed with that person um, that we're going to do it. It's just finding time really. He was really up for it. Um, the other interview that I really want to do is it's a logistical. It's a it's a geography thing. <laughs> Um we could do it on Zoom, but I'd rather not, you know. Rather do it face to face. Um I should have done it last year when I had the opportunity. There was there was an opportunity to do it, I think. It would have been a little bit forced, but you know, sometimes you just gotta strike while the iron's hot, as they say. I don't know, that's the fourth, third time, fourth time I've used that phrase. But yeah, you've got sometimes you've got to grab the bull by the horns. There you go. There's another there's another um uh, a stupid phrase for you yeah you got to you got to take the um, take the ball by the horns yeah, imagine that imagine taking the ball by the horns it'd be fucking terrifying wouldn't it you'd just be like running running for the hills running for the running for the um, running for the wall to jump over before you got um, stabbed up the backside with a horn horrific truly horrific um so anyway yeah they, they hopefully there'll be uh, some more interviews this year i don't think i did any interviews last year and um yeah i don't think there's much else exciting on the horizon really um 2023 musically yeah i don't think there's anything doesn't feel like anything's going to happen this year uh unless i make it happen i think that's the feeling at the moment um and it's just that you know. I think when you when you get as you start to get a bit older, and I just think you know you become less interesting. I think I don't know. Uh, it's funny how you can be in demand at a certain point in your career, but now I'm playing by far better than I've ever played. But yet, you know, it's um, it's all it's all about. It's all about kind of momentum about what's going on you know so um uh, yeah it's kind of interesting it's kind of interesting thinking about all that um that kind of career stuff yeah. but uh it's very much felt last few uh last few weeks just is kind of thinking about uh recording more uh and finishing off a few things here at home as well, I've got a lot of music that I've written and and then there was this kind of spoken word thing which I was working on I got these tracks on bandcamp, which um I'm really proud of them they're quite interesting they're a bit weird and uh I want to do some more stuff like that you know try and get the drum production up a bit. definitely things have definitely got have improved on that side of things um and then just some other drum news. Richard Newby finished my um my little 16-inch bass drum, which I now have back. I don't have the hoops for it yet, because he was he's re all of my I bought a whole new set of hoops for for all my bass drums. So I've got four four bass drums, eight hoops, so sixteen, eighteen, twenty, and twenty-two. Uh and I decided, um, this is maybe, you know, sacrilege, but I don't like the phonic hoops, the metal hoops on phonic drums. I'm not a fan on the bass drums. I prefer. I've always preferred a wooden hoop. I think a wooden hoop is 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 what should be on a bass drum. A bit old-fashioned like that, I'm afraid. So when Richard when I took my this um, this 16 by 18 bass drum, which I had, which turned out to be a float on, by the way, was never a bass drum. It was made into a bass drum as a kind of tribute to the Dijonette bass drum that he used in the early 70s on around the Live Evil kind of period, where he, I think it was a 16x20 that one anyway, that was a floor tom, it was a 16 by 18 floor tom which is a weird size and it didn't sound very good as a bass drum sorry Joe um, but it didn't, it sounded shit uh, and I don't imagine it's ever sounded any good as a floor tom um, I don't know Anything that I mean, cylindrical drums are interesting, um, but anything's beyond cylindrical—not undersized, but oversized. I just, I can't see that working as a thing. I don't know. Anyway, um, the other great thing is I got the ten back. So anybody that knows the backstory of this? Uh, probably don't. But it's just—I uh, tell you it anyway. So interesting. Not. Um, I bought a phonic plus Tom from rockham drums actually dave rock uh, dave hockham from Rockham over in um in Rotherham uh it was on it was just on eBay actually and and, and he, i made him an offer and he did me a great price and it was red and it had a wrap on it and so i i brought it, you know bought the drum at a ten by ten hideous thing um brought the drum home and left it for a while just put it on a shelf yeah. looked at it and was like oh god what have i done but it was under 175 quid so it's pretty good price for a phonic plus shell it's proper phonic nine plus shell but just the plus size the oversized the super deep horrible things anyway i spoke to richard and he was like oh yeah yeah i can cut that down for you and turn it into whatever size you want and it turned out with the lug boxes it, it the minimum was eight so 10 by eight with the phonic lug boxes um, we could have staggered the lug boxes and gone for it, but we'd have had to have put new rims on, and it would have been complicated. Um, anyway, eight ten by eight's beautiful size, um, and it was the right decision at the end of the day. So then I I took it down to my sh- my other shed, my shed shed, um, and I got the heat gun on the wrap and, and took all the lug boxes off and everything, and it and I got the wrap off cleanly and did a good job of it actually. And then I filled in. So I, I, as I've, as you all anyone of you know my drums. I have Yamaha Hardware on uh, on the Phonic drums, and, um, he's, and he's put these isolator things on. I'm going to put them on all my toms, actually. I'm going to put them on my 13 and my 12 as well. I'm waiting for him to post them to me. But on the 10, he's put these isolator. So they make the drum ring more, and they, it definitely helps. Um... But basically, I filled all the 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 tom mount holes in with wood filler, and did a did a very good job here. Actually, I you know did a proper proper good job with um, with the masking tape and everything, and good and, and sanded it really well. So kind of got all that sorted out, um, and gave him a drum that was ready for him to chop down. So that went with the bass drum, a long long time ago, last um, August. It went, and it went, and, you know, I took him down. Took it down when I did Cambridge Folk Festival, uh, last July, whenever it was. Um, dropped them off and it's taken obviously he's very, very busy and he's a one man show and he's doing th- loads and loads of stuff to so him. He's crazy in that workshop. It's an amazing little place what he's got going on there. But basically, I um I did a gig down in Leicester with Arun uh, before Christmas and I and I went and picked up um a couple of the uh, a couple of the, these drums i didn't get the hoops but the tom is now working the tom the tom is on my kit next door here it sounds really nice 10 by 8 and he managed to get the wrap off the to so the the floor tom bass drum and inverted commas was was a uh, 16 by 18 and i wanted it I actually wanted it to be 16 by 12, but we had to go for 16 by 10. I thought the bass drum originally was 16 by 20. That was what I was told it was. I never measured it. And it was with the hoops on. We took the hoops off and measured the shell, it was 16 by 18. So Richard was like, the drum isn't 16 by 20, it's 16 by 18. And I was like, ah, right. But I want eight inches of wrap because I want to wrap the tom, you see, with the same wrap. So the bass drum is 16 by 10. Looks super cute it's got little legs on it i'm just waiting for the hoops now and the little riser and stuff can't wait to to kind of use it i'm gonna have it set up next door as a practice kit um so so i can have the 18 and the 20 ready for gigging um but yeah so so he chopped the drum down um he's kept the um he's kept the shell the other bit of the shell and then he took the wrap off, which came off really easy because it was only put on with double-sided tape, which is a bit weird. Uh, whoever did the wrap on all my drums has not put them wrap on properly. Richard put the wrap on properly on the on the on the um, on the ten, and put the wrap back on properly on the um, on the sixteen bass drum. So it's now sixteen bass drums. It's got little bass drum legs and everything on it. And uh, yeah, just waiting to get the hoops back. Luckily, it already had hoops wooden hoops on the um on the 16 they just needed lacquering staining and lacquering which is what he's doing and then he's i bought three more sets of hoops 18 20 and 22 for the other three bass drums so they're all going to arrive so it kind of feels like the new year feels like i've got like all the drum stuff sorted you know um everything feels like it's kind of yeah kind of in place um and um yeah, it doesn't feel like a year when I'm going to buy much gear. I think don't think there's anything really on the cards for drums this year. Maybe some cymbals and maybe a snare drum, but uh, I'm not sure. Um, so that's kind of it, really. I think I've jibbered on for long enough. It's like an hour, crikey. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that's a bit of a roundup and a, and a kind of what's coming ahead. So I'll be back um, back to the usual Sunday night. Um, soon, we're at the beginning of. Uh, I should have done it last Sunday. We're at the beginning of January now, so we missed December basically, missed December. Yeah, and and obviously the last podcast was a bit of a different thing. We had a story about um, about what happened in 2000, 2001 which is not nothing to do with drums really. Um, if you listen to that, hopefully um, you, you know, sort of enjoyed it or whatever. Um, maybe it wasn't too weird. And if you haven't listened to that, it might be something you might enjoy listening to it's a bit of a story interesting story um with a positive end luckily still so yeah so that's kind of it really but yeah hopefully back to the should be back to the monthly format beginning every first sunday of every month it should be um should be recorded and and released. so have a good one thanks for checking in and um uh, bye for now